All right, let's pray and we'll get into the word, word today. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for, uh, as, as Sam prayed, this beautiful weather outside. Lord, it could rain all day long and I'd be happy. It could just stay at 75 degrees and I'd be happy today. In fact, it'd be good all week, Lord. Uh, we just bless you and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this word today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, setting us free from every bondage, every addiction, every stronghold. Set us free from the habits of sin. We bless you, Father. We thank you today. Give us eyes and ears and hearts to receive this message this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right. So we're starting this new series today called Freedom. And um, it's really something that if you were at the, we didn't live broadcast last week from the, from the lake. Uh, wasn't that fun? It was. We enjoyed that. We did that, of course, last year and then this year and they keep saying you can't have over 70 people, and we keep showing up with more than 70. And so, uh, but we always leave the place. You know, when you, when you do something, you borrow something from someone, there's three ways you can return it. Like you found it, worse than you found it, or better than you found it. And uh, we try to make a habit at CityGate Church of leaving something better than we found it. And we seem to always do that, and we always get good comments from the, from the people, the staff there, that, man, there was a good group. So uh, maybe we, we can slip in with another, you know, we were close to almost probably between probably 180, 180 to 200 uh, this, this year. We can maybe get, get maybe up to 300 next year. No? We, let's just really blow them out of the water. How could a group that size leave it better? But we'll do it, right? And uh, so we will, uh, you know, we almost, had, we almost had to cancel. Should I tell them that? And, uh, yeah, Paula said, go ahead. We almost had to cancel. Uh, there was a snake that they found out there that was, uh, I, I tell you, I think it was from that pole to that pole. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It was big. It was that big around. Uh, it, looked like, it was like python-type material. They brought in two different organizations, whatever, the, the wildlife that trapped these things, and, and uh, they didn't find it. <laughs> And they said it's open and it's safe, so we, by faith, we went and we brought back all the children we took, we brought them all back, so that's it. Uh, we, yeah, we plead the blood of Jesus over those canoes and put anti-snake venom all over it and, and everything, so it was, uh, it was, it was good, and a little exciting, you know, always kind of had the eye roaming around looking for, for stuff, but uh, that, was, that, was, that was exciting, and we just pray that that will, that will get got, or uh, they'll catch it or something, I don't know. So anyway, let's get into the word today. Uh, in fact, I was going to say this, that while we were at the, the lake, I, uh, I brought a little bit of a message. In fact, really what the message that I brought was, it was an introduction. I told you this is what was going to happen. Uh, and what I talked about really was two, two uh, important days in, uh, in our nation's history. And in our nation history in 246 years, we've had a lot of important events and things happen, but two that I really wanted to point out there because they really hold a, a beautiful spiritual analogy as well. And one of them was what we were celebrating at the, at the lake was the, the, uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, that was um, the 13 original colonies and signing their, the Declaration from, uh, from their independence from Britain. And then the other day was in uh, 18, started in really 1862, 18, 1882, I think it's 1882, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln signed was really taken 
from a work that a, I don't know if it was congressman back then, but it was a congressman or something like that from Ohio had written up to about the abolishing slavery. And Abraham Lincoln took that and, and wrote that out and signed that. And then in, in 1865, it became a, the 13th Amendment of our nation, the abolition of, of slavery, uh, the end of it across the, across the nation. So those were two critical days um, in, our, in our nation's history. And the spiritual analogy that we see there as well is the analogy of another declaration, another amendment that was ratified 2,000 years earlier that was signed in blood by Jesus Christ on the cross. He set us free from slavery to sin and set us free from uh, all the things that the enemy held us in bondage for. And uh, uh, again, he ratified that, like I said, with his blood. This is a, a verse that I read when we were at the lake, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. This is out of the New King James Version. It says, knowing this and knowing what? Knowing that our old man was crucified in him. It sounds a whole lot like what Paul said to the Galatian church, doesn't it? Galatians 2.20, when Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love one translation. It's called the distilled version. And it says that... Um, I'm enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. And that's really the honest to God. That's how it is that when he becomes the Lord of our life, we yield our lives unto him. And that's why I've, I've said so much lately. It's not just a matter of, of saying a sinner's prayer and, and then and, and going to heaven. And I believe that, again, the word says, if we believe with our mouth, confess if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, thou shalt be saved. But again, we've got to understand what does it mean to believe? It means to believe, to rely on, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to become a follower of his. The Great Commission is to go and make what? Converts? Disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. And a disciple means one that follows Jesus Christ. And so... Um, so again, that's what he says here, that our old man was crucified with Christ, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That we should, means that we can, but we should not be a slave to sin any longer. And my point in all of that, in combining those two events in, in our history, was just like, just like the, the British and just like slave owners, they didn't j just give up because there was a declaration made. They didn't give up just because... Uh, because of, uh, of, of an amendment that was signed uh, eradicating uh, slavery. Slave owners, again, and, and the British didn't give up but just because of those things. They kept fighting for those things and holding on to what they wanted, and that's just like Satan is. He's our old slave master, and he wasn't going to give up. Oh, come on, on home, demons. The Lord died on the cross. Now it's all over. We lost. No, he's still fighting today to hold us, to hold God's people into bondage, but we are free. We're free, we're free, we're free, we're free. Look at somebody, wink at them and say, hey, you're free. It's a good thing, man. We're free, we're free of Satan's rule, we're, we're free of his power. You know, God wants all of his children, not really, not just, not just uh, his children, but God wants every man, every woman free. For God so loved the world, it wasn't for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son, for God so loved the world that whosoever believe in him would not perish. The Bible tells us that it's not God's will that any should perish, that not one person should die and go to this place called hell. It's simply, again, it's not his will, but certainly he wants his children. 
He wants us to walk in the freedom that was purchased for us on the cross. And again, why did, why did Christ die for us? According to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Now, there was four things, four things in there. I hope you caught in, in that little verse. I mean, they're key. So let's talk about them. Number one was this. We saw this, that Jesus is the one who set us free. He's the one who set us free. The second thing we see is he set us free so that we'd be able to stand and walk in the freedom that he paid for. I said he set us free so that we would be able to stand and walk free in the freedom that he paid for. And did you catch this also, that it's possible, it's possible for us to lose our freedom in Christ that he provided for us? Again, look at that. Look, look what it said there. And, and at the end of that verse, it says, and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Don't, don't be subject again. In other words, you can. It's a choice that you have a free will. We can subject ourselves again to being slaves of Satan. But again, we don't have to. And certainly we can see in this that God says it's our responsibility to stand firm. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again. Keep standing firm. God didn't say, I'm going to keep standing firm for you. It's something that we have to do. It's our responsibility to stand firm. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand, stand, stand. Listen, we can stand against the devil's lies, choosing to believe the truth of God's word and exercising our authority over Christ, I mean, our authority in Christ over the devil's influence in our lives. And that sounds good. In fact, it sounds so good, I'm going to read it again. But we can stand, we can stand against the devil's lies, choosing to believe the truth of God's word, exercising our authority in Christ over the devil's influence. But listen, we can turn right around and get ourselves, because of not standing, we can get ourselves back in bondage again to the enemy. That's good preaching, preacher. Keep on. Yeah, amen. Thank you for that. Um, listen, it would, it, would really, it would really help us if we would do some periodic spiritual house cleaning. Amen? You know, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Actually, it's verse 13 and 14. That English Standard Version says, Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Verse 14, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And if you've been around here very long, you hear me quote this verse or read this verse from time to time. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite verses. It's a great encouragement for us to do. And it's, in a, it's a scripture that I call uh, a spiritual inventory verse. It's something that David wrote in the Psalms. Psalms 139, English Standard Version, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that good? Search me, O God. Know my heart. I love what it says in the Message Bible. It says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. And he will. The Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, he'll guide us. God, search me. Is there anything in me? Am I opening myself up to the enemy? Am I, am I not standing what you called me to stand in so that I won't be put back into being a slave to the enemy? You know, we used to wear these, um, 
these little rubber bracelets that said WWGD. Well, how long ago was this? What was the back? Some people still might have one, but when was that popular? The 80s? 90s? 80s? 90s? WWJD? Anybody? Anybody not know what WWJD means? If you do, if you're brave enough, raise your hand. Okay, well, good for you. Appreciate that. WWJD, people wore those bracelets. They says, what would Jesus do? That's what it stands for. What would Jesus do? And, uh, and, you know, I thought it never, never got real popular, never even popular. I don't know if anybody ever did it. But I always thought they should have another one to put on the other wrist. And I wrote it on my wrist so I, so I wouldn't mess it up. DWJD. DWJD. So you got what would Jesus do and then do what Jesus did. So you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And over here it says, well, do what Jesus did. And, man, you know, also they, they, they became a great tool for opening up to to witness to other people, somebody, a friend or a co-worker says, hey, what's that bracelet that you're wearing, WWJD, what's that stand for? Well, it means, you know, when I'm facing a situation where I don't know uh, if it's the wisest thing to do, I just ask myself, what would Jesus do? And this bracelet reminds me of that. And uh, so anyway, that was a, it was a good thing, good thing to do. But listen, to get the most out of this series, we're really going to need to take a look at two main areas. One is the spiritual warfare side of it, and the other is, uh, is having an understanding. It's so important for us to have an understanding of the realities of who we are in Christ. We really need to get both of those things. And I think it's important. I think it's important that you understand this, that walking in freedom is a journey. Let me say that again. I want it to set in. Walking in freedom is a journey. It's not a one-time thing and done. It's kind of like uh, be filled with the Spirit. And again, if you read that in the Greek, it's actually in the tense of be being filled with the Spirit. Walking in freedom, walking in freedom, the journey of freedom is, again, it's not a one-time thing. We prayed for freedom and now we're free. It's something that we have to stand, like that verse, again, just encouraged us to do there in Galatians chapter 5, because it's possible for us to be yoked again to, to bondage. Amen? Freedom involves discipline. Freedom involves discipline, and here's the scary word, deliverance. Walking in freedom involves discipline and, and deliverance. Um, who was it? Um, Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford said this, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. That's so true. <laughs> it's so good. I wish I had said it. I think I just did. It's mine from now on, though, okay? I gave him credit, gave Jack Hayford credit right now, but from now on, you, know, you, and you can even say, my pastor always says this. Mm, I like that. You can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. The flesh needs to be disciplined and the devil needs to be cast out. And why isn't it? Why is it it, it, it almost seems, seems like we don't, till we get over in the New Testament, that we see the, all the demonic activity and stuff. But there was, there was demonic activity in the, in the Old Testament. One example that comes to mind uh, is, remember when, um, when Saul, an evil spirit would come on Saul and the Bible says, it says that God, God sent an evil spirit to Saul, but that's actually translated in the permissive sense and not the causative sense. God permitted an evil spirit to come on him. He didn't cause it to come on him. But you remember how, how he would get settled and how he would, that evil spirit would go? Anybody remember? How? how? Music. Who, came, who played the music? The Beatles? No. It was David. David came in and played his guitar, right? Harp. harp. Came in and played a harp. And of course, it was a juice harp. No, it wasn't. It was a harp. 
And David played that, and the, the evil spirit would leave, would leave Saul, uh, would leave him there. Uh, but again, I think another reason is because no one, no one had the authority that Jesus had to deal with, to deal with the devils. Um, you know, the Bible says, that, think about this. This is something that uh, it's just not, devils are kind of weird, kind of, are they, are, they, are they still there? Why would Jesus, the Great Commission, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing everyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Mark's version of that is, is, to, is to go, but it also says, and these signs will follow you. And one of those signs that will follow you is you will cast out devils. That's the sign of the average believer. That's not some, some exorcist guy saying, that's all of us. If you're a believer, we're to be casting out devils. And I think some of you cast out more devils than you know of. But there's some serious level devils that well, I, I, I've, never, I've never cast out a devil that was talking back at me. But we have that ability. We have that authority. Jesus gave that side of authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, and I'm sending you now. The inference there is I'm giving you the same authority that I have. We represent him. We are Christ's representatives there. So one such story that we see, I think it's a well-known one, but I'm going to take some time and read it. And it's in Mark chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. If you've got a, a device, an information device there, click that one and uh, open that up. Mark chapter 5, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture, I think, to probably to most of you. Mark chapter 5, this is uh, the madman of Gadara. And it starts off in verse 1. I'm going to read, uh, it's a little bit long. It's going to read uh, through verse 20, so just stay there with me. Are you there? Are you, are you there? So you're there. It's in the notes. It's in the uh, CityGate app notes. It's also there on the version notes there as well. But uh, I tell you, it's really good to follow along in your Bible. Carry your Bible. Carry the Bible. I like the Bible. It's convenient to have a phone that has the Bible app on it. You know, you can be anywhere, you know, anywhere in the airport or going somewhere, and you've always got your Bible with you. But I just encourage you to get a good a good bonded leather Bible. <laughs> now get a, get a real leather Bible. You'll appreciate it more. Uh, in fact, if you don't have one, see me. Now don't, don't inundate me. Is that, a, is that the right word, inundate? Don't pile me just one at a time maybe. I've got several. Remember that stack of Bibles I've got? I've got some good Bibles I'll give away. The good leather, some are bonded leather, but you'll start carrying it, okay? We'll see you, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here's what it says. It says... <clears throat> They went across the lake to the region of Gerserine. Now, let me tell you this. I always look these words up. And did you know, if you want to have this word, I sounded it out, Gerasene. And this, there's different translations of that. Did you know if you have that app on your phone, the Version app, you can go to it. If you use one of the versions like the NIV, the, the New Living Translation, uh, some translations have where you can play, this, play the, uh, the scripture. And you can actually, how do you pronounce some of these hard Bible words? Play the scripture and they'll tell you how to say it. Isn't that good? That's free. <laughs> now, if you're reading something like John 6 and it's in verse 53, you, you got to listen to the whole chapter. You can't just go to that one verse. And fortunately, this is in verse 1 that you can learn how to say garrisons. Okay? So anyway, they, the region of garrison that was free, by the way. Verse 2, let's get on, now we're, all, now we're all the way into verse 2. And then when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but tore the chains apart and broke the irons uh, off on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, he was in the hills and would cry out and cut himself with stones. Verse 6, when Jesus, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice. Now, when he says he shouted at the top of his voice, it's really the demon that's shouting. The demon is speaking through him. The demon owns this man. He's in this man. He owns this man. And he's speaking. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. Jesus said to him, Come out of this man. So he's talking to the demon. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. How many of you know that Legion means, it means like six, it's the number 6,000. And I've heard it was like 6,800 or something, but it's at least 6,000. So he's saying we're 6,000, we're many, we're 6,000. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out into the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the uh, nearby hillside. Verse 12, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd was about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. You ever wonder why Jesus, why that whole conversation, why Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs? Why not just cast them out and let them go into wherever, back to the abyss or whatever? You ever, you ever wondered about that? I'm not sure I had the answer for it, but this is kind of a Gentile region. And, uh, you know, the Jews, didn't eat, the Jews didn't eat pork. So he cast them into the pork, into the pigs, and they went and killed themselves. So really, they, now they were into the abyss again. So they didn't really last very long in the pigs, right? That's, that's a pretty good answer. Came up with that all by myself. <clears throat> Somebody look that up in one of your uh, dictionaries or something and, or your concordances and let me know the answer to that, the real. I think that's a good answer, though. I think Jesus would get rid of all the pork. It was a Gentile area, okay? Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened and, to the, and uh, happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus didn't let him go, but said, go, go home to your own people and tell them how much God has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis. And Decapolis is ten cities. It's not a place. Decapolis was not the city of Decapolis. Decapolis, Deca means ten Kapopolis means um, city. So it was 10 cities. Um, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So, two things that I want us to see in this, in this story, in these 20 verses right here. And, and this is today's message is setting the record straight. That's what this is. Freedom part number one, setting the record straight. Number one is this demons did and do exist. Demons do exist, and we see them all through the gospel, and Jesus is dealing with them. Now, I'm not going to take time to, to go through all of these, these verses right here, but I just wanted to show you that we have them represented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four gospels talks about demons. And again, this is just a fraction 
of the accounts of the talks about uh, all the demons and stuff. So demons did exist, and they still exist today. Because again, after Jesus' resurrection, how many of you think that the demons said, ah, it's all over, we lost, we're going home? Back to hell and have a pity party. No, they're, they, they're, they're just active. They're active, very active. So listen to what Paul said under the unction of the Holy Spirit. He said this to Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly said that in, la- in the latter times, how many of you believe that we're in the latter times? Well, you know, the Bible says that in the last days, and again, the last days actually was started when Jesus was here, because he talked about in, the la- in these last days. So we've been in 2000, and again, if you think, well, the last day, that's been a long last days, but when you look at the eons of time, we're in the last 2,000 years, but now we're in the, the end times of the last days. And he's saying here, in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, you understand that demons don't show up in a church or demons don't show up in the office and teach people crazy things and people are deceived by it. Demons have to be embodied. They need a body to express themselves or to express their idea. A demon that owns a person like the madman of Gadara uh, he spoke through him. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. C.S. Lewis said that two types of people that Satan really likes, one is a skeptic and the other is a superstitious. Because the skeptic says there ain't no devils, and the superstitious think there's a devil behind every bush. And he, he, he says both of them are deceived. So number one, we're getting two things out of that, all that chapter. Number one, that there are demons that did exist, and they still do exist. And the second thing is this, demons do enter into people. Demons enter into people. Remember, demons are disembodied spirits. And to give an expression, to give ideas, they have to, they have to come into people. Now, you can hear, you can hear get things, thoughts can come into your mind from outside, but demons can come in into people. Now, here's the question that everybody wants to know. Can a Christian be, can a Christian be demon-possessed? I'm going to let you sit on that for just a second. Can a, can a, de- can a Christian be demon-possessed? Understand there are two different Greek words for, uh, for, for possession. And one of them is this. One of them is deomai zomai. Deomai zomai. And that's two words. That's demon-possessed. And that one, means, that one means to gain mastery over, to gain control, or to have power over. The other one means to own. To own, like again, the madman of Gadara, he was demon possessed. He was demon owned. The demon expressed and gave and talked talked through him. So, in this sense, in this sense, does it again? It means mastery. So, in this sense, in demonoi zomai, that type of possession, in that sense, an evil spirit, an evil spirit can possess a Christian. They can possess a Christian. In other words, they, they, they take, they, uh, in other words they, they don't take ownership. But an evil spirit can take possession of, 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 of a person that is not a Christian. Is that making sense to you? Let me say it again. In one possession, the one that we're talking about here, asking can a Christian be demon-possessed in the sense of, of just taking mastery over, taking control, uh, giving influence, 
Um, sometimes it's easier, it's better to say a Christian can be under control of a demon. The answer is yes. It's better to say they can be in bondage to. They can be in bondage. They can't be owned by a demon. Um, this morning, if you came, came to church and you left your garage door open like I do sometimes when I leave the house, uh, or if you leave your doors or your windows open or something and a, and a thief goes in and he's uh, controlling your house, He's, he could move stuff around. He could open empty drawers and move stuff around. And he could even take stuff from you, but he does not own the house. Amen. Another example would be drugs and alcohol in a person. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, drugs and alcohol can control you. They can influence you and cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. That can, uh, can cause a person to say things that they wouldn't normally say under the influence, under the control of of alcohol. Is there an area, now let me ask you this, and I want you to think about this, is there an area in your life that you just can't seem to get victory in? Is there an area in your life that you just can't seem to get victory in? It's something that you've repeatedly confessed over and over and over and you can't seem to walk in victory, but more than just a short period of time. I'm telling you, you've heard my story. That was my story. Remember, I, I told you the story. I was sitting in the church, and the guy said, this brother right back here with the red hair is who I'm talking to. He said, Satan has called the scriptures, the accuser of brother, and he's accused you and accused you and accused you, and he's got you convinced that you just need to forget us. But again, it was, it was, in my thinking, it was God telling me that because I had, I'd fail, and oh God, I'm sorry, God, I'll never do that again, and I would do it again, and oh God, forgive me, and over and over, and I could be, I could be clean from that from, for two or three months, but then all of a sudden, back at it again, oh God, forgive me, it was something, it was a bondage, it was in a bondage, it was, it was a control, it was that demazomai, it was that kind of a possession, Remember, again, Satan's goal is not to get you to worship him. He's not to get you to go to the first church of Lucifer downtown. We don't have that here in Burlington that I know of, but that's not his goal. His goal is, again, is to get you to prevent you from fulfilling the plan and the will of God for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We know that from, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says that God has created us to do good things that he prepared for us in advance. Two ways, that this, two ways that this happens is uh, the devil goes about this, this is, is getting us, is working through others to distract us, to dissuade us, to discourage us, to disappoint us. To be disappointed is the opposite of being appointed. And as I said in Galatians, uh, Ephesians 2.10, we see that God has appointed us to do good things. And so the enemy wants to get us disappointed from doing those things. Look at the attacks that the apostle Paul went through. Everywhere he went, every town that he went in, there was these legalistic Judaizers. These legalistic Judaizers that were harassing him. And if they didn't come from another town and follow him, then they rose up in that town. And they were always, and, and Paul prayed that God would, would deliver him. He said he talked about this thorn in the flesh. Some people teach that the thorn in the flesh was a sickness. They said it was some type of an eye disease or it was something that there was some kind of a sickness. But the Bible tells us exactly what it was. It was a messenger from Satan who had come to buffet him. And that Satan operated through different individuals with l religious spirits, these legalistic Judaizers. They harassed him and harassed him and harassed him. And God told, told um 
Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is greater than those things that are being, that are the people that are being used by demons to harass you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. We can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, this series, again, is called freedom. It's freedom, again, because we have the grace, we have the power, we have the authority to loose those things, to loose. Anybody ever, had, anybody ever said this or you've ever said this to somebody? Man, you need to get free of that. Or anybody told you, man, you need to get delivered from that. They're, the verbiage is exactly right. We need to get free of those things. We need to get free of bondages and addiction. You know, somebody that's, that's struggling with, uh, with cigarettes, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying. It's a, it's a bondage. It's an addiction. And something, again, has opened the door to the enemy, and it's become a bondage. And again, it's not, it, it's, it's not an ownership of that you're possessed that way again but it's a possession of of an addiction and when somebody says or you even say man i need to get delivered of these things that's exactly what needs to happen we need discipline again and we need we need deliverance so again we've got the grace we've got the power we've got the authority again we've got all that to take back control and there's sometimes when we take back control and then we do those things again and we take back control and we do those things again god never ever ever gives up on you he, as long as you're crying out to him. They're, you know, the first sign that a baby has life, you know what it is? They don't spank them anymore, do they? They just cry. But the first sign of that, you know, when that mother and that dad, when they're in the room and that baby's born, that's a sweet sound when that baby, yeah, they let out that cry, man. You know what that means? That means life. And as long as you're crying out to God, man, there's life in you. See, I'd gotten to the place where I'd failed God so many times that I felt like there was no life in me. I felt like God was saying that, that it's too late. It's too, you, you've blown it too many times. But that was the stinking lies of the devil. Mm, praise God. There are things, man, there's, there's things that we do that open the doors to the spirits. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit next week. And it gives the, the, an opportunity to the devil. Remember a few series ago when we went through the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 says this. I love this. If you guys, are, when you're doing some study and get some other translations, you don't have to have a bunch of Bibles. Go to Bible Gateway, and it, you get, it gives you 40, 50 different translations. To that verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, let me give you a couple. Going. The, the American Standard Version says, Neither give place to the devil. Uh, another one says, neither, neither give place to the devil. Another one's this, uh, the uh, contemporary English Bible says, don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Neither give room for the devil. And I love the Amplified says this. It says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. And then in brackets it says, because it's amplifying it. I heard somebody say this the other day, the Amplified is the women's version. Because there's just more words. <laughs> okay. Here's what it says. It says, do not give the devil an opportunity. This is the Amplified, the women's version. That lead us, do not leave, give an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding. Now watch this, how simple this is. This can open a door to the devil. This can give the devil a foothold. We always think of these major things. But don't, don't, don't sin by holding a grudge. 
by, by nurturing anger, by harboring resentment, by cultivating bitterness, those things open the door to the enemy. That's why it's so important for us to do those, those, um, those times of um, inventory. And God, search my heart. Is there anything in me? God, is there any bitterness? Is there any unforgiveness? Am I holding anybody in unforgiveness? How's my love walk, God? Because our love walk, if it's not what, God, if it's not what WWJD, if it's not what God would do, not what Jesus would do, then uh, we're opening the door to the enemy. So again, did I tell you what our takeaways were for today? Our takeaways are this. Here's our, here's our takeaways. F- remember this, freedom is a journey. Freedom is a journey. It's not a one-time event. And freedom involves discipline. And yes, that scary word, deliverance. We need deliverance sometimes when we've opened the door to the enemies and something has become a bondage or an addiction in our life. I've got a prayer that I want to pray today, but I decided what I want to do is I want to, I want to read you this. Excuse me, I want to read you this prayer. And then uh, I also put it, this is in the, on the CityGate app in your notes. If you have your notes with you, it's there. And it's in the U version. If you're using the U version notes, it's there as well. It's the last, last thing. And the reason I put it again here is I just wanted to do it. This is not a one-time prayer. But this week, I want you to take your notes out. And don't forget, if you've got the CityGate app, save your notes. Then you'll always have them. The CityGate notes, I mean, the, the notes on the U version app, they will, when the next week's comes up, they'll be gone. So you won't have them. But if you save your notes on the app, you'll always have those. But pray this prayer over yourself and maybe over your family, over your children. Our Father in heaven, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, already purchased my freedom at the cross. You've also given me all that I need to walk in that freedom through the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and the people that you have purposely brought into my life. In addition, you have given me your armor by which I can stand against all the schemes of the devil and make responsible choices. I choose right now by your grace and strength to walk in the truth, righteousness, and peace that are already mine in Christ. I reject all the lies, the temptations, the accusations, the condemning fears of the devil. I also choose to lift up the shield of faith, to put on the helmet of salvation, to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, I thank you that I, that I have a sound mind in Christ and that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I stand against all attempts of the enemy or of my flesh to distract or discourage me. I thank you for opening the eyes of my understanding as we look to your word in this series about freedom that you have provided for me. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you to take that. I want you to to read that times. And the book I've talked about before, Prayers That Avail Much, has some tremendous confessions in there to pray over yourself, over your children, over your family, over your mate. Pray those prayers. If you don't have that book, you can get it at the uh, Apple bookstore. Uh, you can get it on the on Android devices. You can, you can get it pretty much anywhere. It's called Prayers That Avail Much. There's three or four volumes or three volumes of it. I love the first volume, um, but you can get, if you get the third volume, I think it has all of them. It has all of them in or some kind of a, it's kind of, some kind of a one that has all of them, but it has some it's great. The first three or four scriptures, some are uh, things that you can confess over yourself, confessions and rejoicing in the Lord and uh, confessing God's word in your life. And then there's prayers that you can pray over your husband, over your wife, over your children, over your job, over depression, over anxiety. Just it's filled with God-inspired prayers because all the prayers are is taken out of the word of God. 
And that's the highest form of prayer when we pray is we mirror God's word back to him. And I believe it says somewhere in Isaiah, it says to God says, put me in remembrance of my word. It's not because God forgot his word. He didn't forget what he said. But when we're reminding God of his word, guess what we're doing? We're reminding ourselves of God's word. So the highest form of prayer is to pray God's word. I encourage you, if you don't have the, the, the book, Prayers That Avail Much, get that book. Pray those prayers every day. They're great, great, great prayers to pray. All right? Well, Father, we again, we thank you for your word today. God, thank you for setting us free. Lord Jesus, your work on the cross was perfect. It was not incomplete. It was complete. You said it is finished. So thank you, Father. Thank you today, God, for setting us free. Thank you, Father. We choose to walk in freedom. And Father God, I pray again that you'd open the eyes of our understanding as we go through this study, as we go through this, what freedom is all about for us. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.